Hello again and a very warm welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Huddle, brought to you by the Leeds Hospital Radio Sports Team. As ever, we'll try to keep you entertained and informed about the latest goings on in the world of sport. So whether you're listening to us in hospital or on the web, sit back and enjoy the next 40 minutes or so. We'll be looking ahead to a crucial week for Leeds United and also reviewing the fortunes of Huddersfield Town, Bradford City and Harrogate Town. There's also the fourth test of England's tour of India starting tomorrow in Ranchi and the middle weekend of the Six Nations Championship coming up. And of course, we'll take a look at the early season Super League action and reflect on our moments of the week. My name's Tony Chalk and I'm joined tonight by Jim Walker and Alan Breeze. And I'm especially delighted to be able to say a very warm welcome back to our regular presenter, Ian Marsden who has been going through a tough time recently with some family health issues in the last few weeks. Ian, it's great to see you back, and I'm guessing that you'll be looking forward as much as everyone else to a mouth-watering game between Leeds United and Leicester City at the top of the Championship this weekend. Absolutely. Thank you for the for those words, Tony. Yeah, um, absolutely looking forward to it. It's going to be an absolutely uh, crackerjack of, um, of a game. Uh, two teams who, who love to attack. Two teams who um, can't defend really, and so it's. Um, I'm expecting it to be an absolutely belting game, and I think um, the the one thing is Leeds have that home advantage, but Leicester lost the away the Leeds game before, so it's like, hmm, does home advantage actually count that much? But um, yeah, I'm um, I'm going to sit on the fence. Um, I think it'll be a draw, but I think it is going to be an absolutely belting game. Um, if Leeds are without Bamford, which looks to be the case, then I think um, Piro might be in there and um, Rutter and uh, Somerville. I mean, the names just just waltz off the tongue. But Leicester are a dangerous side as well. And um, they um, they've won a heck of a lot of games and are nine points clear of Leeds. So it's um, yeah, it's going to be an absolutely um, it's going to be a cracker. Can't wait to watch it. Alan, Leeds got a little bit of a bonus in midweek. They might have had a double bonus, actually, if uh, if, if Ipswich Town hadn't scored a, a late, late, late winner uh, at home to Rotherham. But they got a bonus when Southampton uh, managed to lose against Hull. So they go into this now in second place, um, sort of on their own, as it were, without people having a game in hand. That should give them some confidence. But, I mean, I think that, that Leicester will be really fired up tomorrow and and I think it's going to be a tough one for Leeds what do you think well uh, 13 games to go uh, it's in Leeds hands Uh, Mm. all they need to do is keep winning and uh, they'll be up in fact they don't have to keep winning every game Um, I think tomorrow um, I've been looking at a a league table and it's a different league table it's the uh, uh, gross salaries to the players of uh, various teams in the Premiership and uh, gross um, and gross is a, 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 a <laughs> word that can mean many things, but it means very big and that's Leicester with over. Uh, it starts with one and it's there's lots of knots. Um, they're, they're, they've got the biggest salary. Uh, second is Leeds and they've got quite a big salary, uh, and and Sa- Southampton have got. Nearly a big salary, and Ipswich have got not a lot. So, I mean, I think just just look at your bank balance. I mean, um, I used to be a banker. I, I think that's what I used to be. Uh, mm. I think my my colleagues used to call me that. Anyway, so, yeah, I'm sure they did. Yeah, yeah. 
I think just just look at look at the cash, look at the numbers. But um, hopefully uh, Leeds will overturn it tomorrow because uh, that would uh, that would win it. That that would make it uh, just six points difference between. Uh, Leicester and Leeds. Those two are the two that are going to go up automatically. Doesn't really matter who finishes top. Uh, Southampton will come in, but uh, Hull City gave them a good looking at uh, midweek, having beaten Huddersfield Town remarkably. Um, we'll come back to the, the Huddersfield, Huddersfield game. Um, so, uh, what was your question? I think it was tomorrow. I think it's uh, Leeds will beat Leicester. And then we'll wait until Saturday. Yeah, indeed. So uh, that's one for Leeds, one for a draw. Uh, I think that Leicester will get at least a draw out of it, um, personally. But let's have the voice of a man from Leicester. Jim, <laughs> you, you'll be happy with uh, Leicester City being nine points clear at the top. You know they're still going to be top whatever happens in this match. Uh, but will they be 12 points clear or will they still be nine points clear or will they be only six points clear? Well, I've got two predictions. One is that Leeds won't keep a clean sheet and Leicester won't lose. Um, um, I think Leeds' run um, has been phenomenal. Uh, but um, uh, as I said last week, our colleague Bill Dale seems to have this one pretty well nailed in that um, playing Ampadu at centre-back is a weakness for Leeds. And not because he's not a good centre-back, but simply because he weakens the midfield. And then they've got a real problem at left back where Furpo is OK going forwards. But as a defender against a real quality winger, um, I think most people worry a bit about Furpo. Byram's out, so it's almost certain that Furpo will play. Um, and it's to me, the game will be won and lost down both sides of the field because you've got both sides have got really good wingers. You've got uh, Fatawu and Mavadidi for Leicester, um, and you've got two out of James Nonto um, and Somerville for Leeds. Um, and it's going to be down to the fullbacks to cover that off. Um, um, but having said that, I think you've got a cracking game in prospect. You've got the, the, the team, we have got top goal scorers in Leicester. You've got pretty high goal scorers in Leeds. Um, you've got the two with the best defensive record by uh, by some by some way. Um, and so um, you've got the two best goalkeepers in the league. Um, you've got the two best teams in the league. So it's one of those games that could be an absolute cracker. On the other hand, it could also be a very stale nil-nil if both sides decide to settle for a point and it then just gets... Um, Clogged up because they both play on the break and what they won't want to do is to commit so many people forward that uh, when the break uh, comes, um, they're outnumbered at the back. And uh, so uh, I think it's got a lot, uh, uh, a lot going for it. Uh, I hope the referee's good. I don't know who the referee is, um, but uh, fancy the ref might be fairly busy. The crowd will be absolutely raucous. Um, and um, I'm delighted that I'm on the microphone tomorrow, along with Andy Mason and Steve Fountain, um, to bring this game to to our listeners. Uh, and I just hope it's really good. And all I would say is, based on the history of these two teams this year, uh, don't be late for kickoff because um, they're both extremely good at uh, 
um, getting the ball in the goal in the first quarter of an hour. So, uh, so don't uh, you know if it's nil nil after quarter of an hour, then I think it's going to be a bit worrying. But uh, if one side gets a goal in the first quarter of an hour, then I think we're in for an absolute cracker. Yeah, indeed. Now, this is where I think we've got to come clean with our listeners because we're recording this on on a Thursday night. So if you're wondering if in hospital how Jim Walker's on here and then in a few minutes time he'll be commentating, that's how. (laughs) If you're listening to us on the web, the match has probably already happened. So you you can work out the the results already. But uh, if you are in hospital listening to this, stay tuned after we've finished, because, as Jim said, there'll be full match commentary from Elland Road. Uh, Jim, Andy Mason and Steve Fountain bringing you that uh, in the Leeds hospitals. That's certainly something to uh, look forward to and hopefully brighten up your evening. OK, let's uh, move ahead now and look at uh, the fortunes of Huddersfield Town, um, who last week, um, after a sort of a little bit of a decent run, had a disappointing last minute loss to Hull City after they'd uh, seemingly snatched a, a point with a late equaliser and then uh, let one in to, to lose the match. Alan, were you at that game? I was indeed, yes. Yeah, so you'll, and, you'll uh, know exactly what happened then. But, yeah, Bill Dale and I were there, and um, uh, there was um, obviously the, uh, the the announcement of the new manager had been made uh, before the game, but I'm not sure whether he was at the game himself or not. Um, but uh, John Worthington continued to take them. Uh, I have to say, Hill City... Um, Pretty well dominated the first half, and and Huddersfield were were, were not really in it. The second half, um, um, it was uh, Huddersfield came back, particularly very strongly towards the end, uh, where they, they increased their energy and they scored uh, an equaliser after 91 minutes, I think it was. And um, the, the the home fans were delirious, but they shouldn't have been because two minutes later. Within the four minutes of added time, Hull went to the end, and uh, the, um, uh, the 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 Hull skipper um, Reeves, who uh, was was virtually uh, dead uh, a few seconds earlier, uh, resur- was resurrected, went up the other end. He'd already scored in the in the first half. Went up the other end, scored a fantastic diving header, and got a winner. And the the the, um, the Tigers um, were were. Um, they, well, they went away very happy, and the Huddersfield uh, fans less so. They, they lost two one. Uh, interestingly, in the in the press conference afterwards, uh, we were having a chat, and uh, normally these press conferences are fairly uh, fairly benign. But I, I just happened to to make an observation. I thought that the lady referee had refereed the game very well, and and, and I still believe that. And that sort of sparked off, um, I wouldn't say it was tribal warfare between the Huddersfield uh, um, reporters and the Hull uh, reporters, but it, it got a bit nasty. Uh, but uh, uh, Anyway, we, we just decided in the end um, that this was two on the Hull. Huddersfield are not down and out. They're still in trouble. Um, I think Huddersfield might be all right. And they're, they're a super club to work with. And... Uh, it was a a great good afternoon. And they're going to Watford on Saturday, uh, uh, Ian, uh, with uh, Andre Brightonwright, presumably in charge for the first time. Uh, won't be easy going there, I would have thought. No, um, I've just checked the league table. Watford are 11th 
they've um, they've also won 11, uh, drawn 11 and lost 11. Um, so um, and I was at the um, the home game Huddersfield against Watford and um, it was a very, very dull nil nil draw. How me and Bernie got through that game um, without swearing um, was incredible. Um, it was um, it was dull. Um, but um, yeah, so. If Huddersfield can get something, which they definitely can do, um, Watford, are, are, as they are completely the model of inconsistency, having, like I said, 11, 11, 11, um, then Huddersfield can definitely get something from there. They are still too close um, to that bottom three. Um, they're still in danger zone. It will be interesting to see how the new boss goes um, in the English game. Um, I'm thinking Huddersfield hopes that he's another uh, David... Uh, David Wagner rather than a John Sievert. Um, so um, we'll see how he goes and see whether um, John, um, oh, what's what's the guy's name who's been in uh, interim? Um, but hopefully he will be able to have an input in the team selection and help uh, the new guy um, out with um, who to pick and, and how to play. But yeah, they should definitely be able to get three points at Watford. Um, whether they do or not is another matter with Watford being as inconsistent as they are. Yeah. Is it Worthington? That's the name. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Tony. Yeah, I knew you'd yeah, know. Worthington. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's turn to, to, to League Two. Um, Harrogate Town again, uh, still our leading local side in League Two um, because they are back in the playoff places, despite that 9-2 thrashing at uh, Mansfield that we spoke about last week, Jim, uh, and we wondered how they would react going to Crew. Well, they certainly tightened up the defence, didn't they? Absolutely brilliant, uh, Tony. I think I think the, the general consensus of the 9-2 was it wasn't a thrashing particularly, except that Mansfield had one of those days where every time they had a shot on goal, it went in. Um, and the goalkeeper had no chance with any of the goals. I did see the goals, uh, and he had no chance with, with any of them. Um, and they, uh, they obviously regrouped. And, um, as you say, on Saturday, they, they got a draw away at Crew. So in the space of the last four matches, they played the top three teams uh, as they were at the time, um, uh, all away and have come away with two draws and one loss. And I think that's, that's pretty creditable. Um, so the question now is, of course, how can they play against um, a Walsall team who are absolutely on the charge? Because Walsall went and beat Mansfield uh, last week. Um, in the last uh, five games, they've got uh, two wins, two draws and a loss. Um, and they're on 45 points in 16th, would you believe? So the bizarre thing about this is that if they were to beat Harrogate, they would actually go um, above Harrogate or level with Harrogate on points. And as their goal difference is better, um, they um, they would go above Harrogate. So um, it's one it's one of those uh, every game seemingly um, is absolutely critical. But the way Harrogate are performing, um, you've got to say that um, they are definitely the form form team. And um, if they can keep it going. Who knows? I mean, Bradford are the other form team, of course, uh, and no doubt somebody will talk about them in a minute. But just looking at the fixtures on Saturday, there are three absolute standout fixtures. One is uh, Bradford going to Barrow. The other one is Gillingham and Wrexham. And the third one is Notts County, who Ian will know well, 
hosting crew. Now, all of those games, um, if anybody is to win, was to win one of those games, does an enormous difference on the uh, uh, on the table. So um, um, going into this game, Harrogate, they, they've beaten Walsall um, 1-0 earlier on in the season, uh, and they've beaten 3-0 last year um, at um, at the Enviro event uh, stadium. So um, poor tents are good. Um, and uh, so um, I'm hoping they won't lose on Saturday. Um, and then they've got a run of uh, a run of games uh, coming up, which are also um, quite um, on the face of it winnable from Harrogate's point of view. They play Newport in midweek at home. Then they go to Swindon. Then they're home to Crawley. But then they have three difficult games. They're away at Wrexham, they're away at Barrow, and then they're home to Bradford on the 23rd of uh, 23rd of March. So um, absolutely fascinating Division Two. I think uh, um, I think it's it's the league to watch, to be honest, in terms of of um, excitement because it's it, who knows who's going to win it. Um, um, I mean, the three at the top are close, and then this battle for seventh place is uh, is remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Yeah, uh, I make it. I think ten teams within three points of each other. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, incredible, really. One of them being being Bradford City, and uh, I know Alan. Last night you were at. Uh, I was going to say Valley Parade, but I think you've got to call it University of Bradford Stadium now. Haven't you? Uh, I, I saw the, most of the second half of that match. Uh, based on what I saw, Bradford were extremely unlucky to lose that match. They seemed to be far better than Wickham on the night. Yeah, well. <clears throat> Frankly, I thought it, that was the best I've seen Bradford City play in several years. And uh, speaking after the game, uh, I think that was the general mood uh, amongst those who watch them more regularly than I do. Um, it was one of those games uh, where um, Mansfield sort of had nine shots and scored nine against Harrogate. And Bradford City had about eight shots and couldn't get it in the net. Um, and, and that's that's the way it was. They completely dominated uh, Wickham. Wickham played a, a quite a cute game there. They just uh, sat back and took it. And um, they were butchered right at the end where the substitute butcher scored in the 91st minute. Um, the crowd, I mean, it was a record crowd for that particular competition. Um because it's not very well loved by the fans, I have to say. But Bradford City, they played absolutely tremendously. Uh, the, there was a, a vote for man of the match. It could have been any one of six of them. They were really very good. They lost 1-0. Um, that came on the back of uh, two 1-0 victories and a 4-0 thrashing of Milton Keynes. And I think if I was Jim, I'd be a little bit worried when the... Um, the Bantams go to Harrogate because I think Bradford, for once, have got a side and a manager that will take them into the playoffs. And if I was a betting man, but I'm not, I, I think they might just sneak promotion this year. Well, let's ask our uh, League Two connoisseur on that one, Ian. Keen fan of Notts County, you'll have a particular interest in, in this battle in, uh, in in League Two. Uh, what do you think of the prospects for Harrogate uh, uh, and Bradford? Yeah, Harrogate have been have done amazingly well and um, they've been on such a great run. That's why that Mansfield score was kind of an anomaly. It, it just no one saw it coming. And like we said, Mansfield 
scored nine goals from nine shots. So um, Harrogate can just put that to one side. There was always a freak result in a season, and and that was that was Harrogate's, and and it was Mansfield's. Um, so I think Harrogate, on from what I've seen, are very well drilled. They're um, attacking team, um, and yeah, they're in that seventh place, and um, they've won three out of the last five. So they're doing extremely well. And I think um, fair play to Harrogate Town from being in the league for just, was it four years now, Jim, I think. And um, mm-hmm. they've um, they've done amazingly well to, to keep their football league status. And this season, they've proper kicked on and um, are now reaping the rewards of that. And, you know, the thought of Harrogate Town being in League One next year is an actual realistic thought because of the way they're playing at the moment. Um, as for Bradford, yeah, they're um, very unlucky last night. They were, they should have won that game easily against a League One team, but mm. they just couldn't get the ball in the net. Um, and kind of the story of their season, um, really, they've they've scored 41 goals in 33 games. So it's not, they haven't been prolific. Andy Cook hasn't been as prolific as he was last year. But the away win at Wrexham was an absolutely fantastic result. And then the win against uh, Milton Keynes, um, although I think Graham Alexander probably did get them well um, well motivated for that scene as he was sacked from Milton Keynes um, in September, October. So, um, but yeah, Bradford are on a little bit of a run. And it's, um, as, we've, as we've all said, between 7th and 16th, the gap is three points. And so, you know, you win two games, you're in the playoffs. Um, so it's just an absolute crazy league. Um, and uh, I will disagree with Alan um, in the fact that I don't think Bradford will get promoted. I think they can and probably will make the playoffs, but I don't think they'll get promoted because I think just think they've just, they're not consistent enough. They will go and lose games that they probably should win. Um but League Two is an absolute free-for-all and everybody can beat everybody. And, um, yeah, interesting to see how it finishes um, with, my, with my boys in there as well. And uh, hopefully we can beat Crew tomorrow. So, Indeed so. Right, OK, let's have a review of, uh, of, of football <coughs> for this week. Uh, we're going to move on now to, to cricket and uh, think about England's tour of India, which moves to Ranchi for the fourth test, starting, as we record it, starting tomorrow. By the time you listen to this in hospital, you'll know the score from the first day. Um, Jim, uh, it all fell apart, really, in Rajkot, didn't it, uh, for England? And they've made a couple of changes to the bowling uh, for this test match. Mark Wood, um, not surprisingly, left out after a hard match uh, in the third test and, and Ollie Robinson coming in. And Rian Ahmed left out um, and Shoab coming in. Um, Ahmed perhaps a bit unlucky. Uh, but I think most people looking at that third test would say the main problems there were in the batting. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And of course, you know, you can't discount the Bumrah factor um, because... Um, uh, he is without doubt the standout bowler on both teams. Um, and irrespective of the type of pitch it is, he seems to, um, deliver the goods. Now, the good news, of course, for England is that India have decided to rest him by all accounts on a pitch. If it lasts three days, it's going to do well. Um, so 
Um, I think winning the toss is absolutely key. And my my feeling is that the team that England have selected um, in the bowling department is really designed to try and not give any runs away. Um, because Ahmed, I think, is a is, is a good bowler. He's a good wicket-taking bowler, but he also will go at four and over. Um, and I think that the reason Anderson is playing as well, um, despite what happened in the second innings uh, in the last match when he went for six and over, um, I think the fact Anderson is playing is really designed to uh, um, tighten up the uh, the runs so that uh, there are no soft runs on offer for India. Um, uh, and I think England have got a real chance in this game, particularly if they win the toss and can bat first, um, because I think um, um, I think batting first seems to me to be pretty important because they they seem to be predicting that it was going to turn square from ball one almost. So uh, so I, I think you've got to uh, you've got to take the runs when they're when they're available. Yeah, we could do, uh, could we not, Alan, with some runs from Joe Root and Johnny Bairstow? Uh, sorry, um, um, Tony, was it just to me? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I think just, just to build on what uh, Jim said, um, the test that England have just lost reminded me a little bit of when I used to play football uh, before uh, my lessons at school where everybody chases the ball hoping to score uh, and forgetting that sometimes you need some full backs and a centre half um, and I would say both with Johnny Bairstow and more particularly with uh, Joe Root um, you don't have to score at seven and over um, when you're 207 for two uh, Joe Root should be playing a sensible innings to uh, accumulate runs on a test match which is supposed to last five days uh, and not lose it by playing ridiculous shots in four days. Um, I am worried, however, about about both uh, Johnny and uh, uh, and Joe for different reasons. I think I think Joe Root is a, a very very and who am I to say so. Um, is an outstanding international player and he should just play as an outstanding international player and not follow the um, the mantra of uh, just trying to be quirky and, and trying to hit the ball. Johnny Burstow, I think, he's almost at a crossroads in his career. Has he has he peaked? Um, he's certainly not the player he was before he had that unfortunate injury um um, well, Jim knows panel golf club better than me, probably, but uh, I don't know quite what he was doing on a on a tee in in um, panel golf club uh, near Harrogate, um, messing his leg about when he was an international cricketer. But anyway, that's for another matter. But I don't know. I think I, I actually think England need to be very careful about taking this bad ball. Um, experience too far. Okay, Duckett can play it, but not everybody can play it. I just hope sanity returns to the England uh, field, otherwise they're going to lose another match. Yeah, 2-1 to to India at the moment, Ian. Um, What chance of them turning it round, do you think? 
there's always a chance. I mean, who would have thought we'd won the first test the way we did? Um, so I think there is definitely talent there. I agree with um, with uh, Alan, shockingly enough, um, with regards to Joe Root, because I think if Joe Root just plays his natural game rather than trying to do things because he thinks that's what they that's what they want him to do, then it'll be better not only for Joe Root but it'll be better for the team. So I think Joe Root just needs to play his game, just play his game the way Duckett does. Duckett plays his game and he mm. scored a hundred and seventy eighty odd. And mm. so if Joe Root just plays his natural game, then he the runs will come because as he's proven. He knows how to score runs in international cricket. So um, there's, there's definitely just needs to use his um, his cricket nous. Um But definitely can win um, one of the next two tests. Um, winning away at India isn't easy for anybody. Um, and um, I think we're, we're England the last team that actually won a series in India. I or... probably were, yeah. 2012 so, was... Certainly the last time. Yeah, was it 2012, mm. something like that. Mm, um, yeah. mm. So it's not an easy task actually defeating India and India. Um, so the fact we won the first test, I think, was brilliant. And we're in we're in this series. We just need the players to play their natural game. And um, and yeah, it's it's there for us if we want it. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed. And uh, from what the, the guys have said, I tend to agree actually. Um, Winning the toss could be important. So let's hope Ben Stokes calls right uh, when he makes the toss tomorrow morning. Well, let's move on now and look at uh, the two codes of rugby. We'll start with the Six Nations. Uh, it's the middle weekend. They had a break last weekend. And it comes with Ireland top of the table and England second. The two uh, sides have won their opening two matches. This weekend, we've got uh, Ireland playing Wales in the first match uh, in Dublin on Saturday followed by England's trip to Murrayfield, and then on Sunday, France host Italy. So, Jim, uh, I suppose on the face of it there, you would look and say the three home sides are probably the favourites, and if an away side is going to win, England are probably the most likely. Yes, I think that's absolutely uh, uh, the correct call, uh, um, Tony. um, uh, Calcutta Cup is always a special sort of game and um uh but England have lost I think they've only won one in the last six, haven't they? Um and uh, Ian was telling me before before we started that uh, if Scotland were to win it'd be the first time they've they've won four in a four in a row. Um I didn't know that. But um um but I think um just looking at the table uh, it's remarkable that both England and Scotland have both got forty three uh, forty three points. Um, four, um, and England have conceded eight less, so England have conceded 38, and Scotland have conceded 46. Um, I think Scotland were desperately unlucky last match against France. I mean, uh, we talked about this last week, uh, but it still rankles. Uh, I'm sure it does with the Scots, really, that, that last minute try that wasn't, uh, wasn't given. Um, but, um, um, the England team, um, I find astonishing though today that's been announced. I mean, um, five changes. Okay, well, Mitchell was Mitchell was out, so Care was bound to sort of come in there, I think. Um, and the front row was the was the, was the one absolutely. Was I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I think Stewart is entitled to ask, well, what do you want? Um, and the, the only parallel I can draw with this is in cricket, 
where do you play a wicketkeeper or do you play a wicketkeeper batsman? Um, because there's no doubt in my mind that um, in the analogy terminology, Stewart is the wicketkeeper. Um, Stewart will catch will catch the ball all day long, and you know he's safe. Um, what Furbank brings you is that acceleration and that fleetness of foot that might get you onto an attacking um, uh, attacking position more so than Stewart, who will just attempt to run through you. Um, but against that, um, it might also be the uh, situation where you uh, uh, where you lose the game because if Furbank was to drop the ball at a crucial time, then um, uh, he's dropped the ball, and that's that's all there is all there is to it. So I hope he has a good game, Furbank. Um, I, I just despair though for Stewart that there is not a place in that fifteen. Um, for for him because uh, Al Daly and Slade can keep their places and Stewart doesn't even make the bench. Uh, I do find astonishing. I I, I mean I, nothing against Daly and Slade as Premiership players, but they 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 haven't got that element of pace for me that you need at international level. Um, and particularly on the wing, you've got to have a finisher on the wing, and I just don't see don't see Daly as a finisher. Um, <clears throat> forward wise, no problem. I would have liked to have seen George Martin play. I think. Um, yeah, I thought he might. I think he's in. unlucky. Um, really, really unlucky. Um, I no doubt he'll come on probably fairly early. Um, and I suspect playing the back row. Um, but um, um, but so I hope it's I hope it's a good game. I, I think most of the last few games have been won by seven points or less, haven't they? Um, I just think Scotland have actually got a bit too much for England at the moment. Um, unless England can put a real performance in uh, on the basis of it being the Calcutta Cup and uh, um, and everything else. So, um, uh, but if uh, but I agree with your initial analysis, Tony. I think the three home teams are going to win. I think Ireland will win comfortably. France will win comfortably. Um, England, Scotland, closer, but I still think it'll go to the home team. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I expect Ireland to, to, to beat Wales with, with a bit to spare. Uh, Italy, I thought, were very disappointing against Ireland, actually, uh, given their performance against England. Uh, and if they don't play a lot better than they did last time out, France uh, should have a fairly straightforward time there. Uh, England-Scotland or Scotland-England is, is the type one. Uh, like you, I tend to feel that, that Scotland probably have got a, a bit too much. They're a more settled side than England, which does mm. make a difference. Um, and well, we shall see on the, on the call on Furbank, but, uh, I've no doubt Finn Russell will be putting him under a bit of pressure early on just to see how he does cope under the high ball. Uh, yeah. we shall see. Okay. We'll turn from, uh, from the, that code of rugby to the other code of rugby, rugby league, uh, which started Super League last week, of course, with uh, Leeds Rhinos getting underway with a home victory against Salford Reds, which uh, I think is sort of a rather more optimistic start to the season than they've made for a while. Now, as we speak, as, as we're on air, they are actually playing away to Hull KR. Uh, so in asking uh, Ian for his thoughts on uh, Leeds Rhinos progress in the, in the opening match against Salford, I've no doubt we'll also get an update on the score, which by the time you listen to this, will be out of date, <laughs> but at least it'll inform us now. <laughs> yeah, it will be out of date. It's half time, and uh, the Rhinos did go 6-0 up, but um, Hall KR mm. lead 8-6. 
and um, Rhinos have got to play it in the Sinbin for the first 10 minutes of the second half. But it's been a very even game. Uh, both teams have made a lot of mistakes. The pitch is an absolute disgrace at um, Hall KR, the uh, Craven Park, or whatever they're calling it these days. Um, it's it's an awful, awful pitch. And players are slipping over left, right and centre. Um, but anyway, last week, yes, the, um, a great start at home by the Rhinos against Salford. Salford last year had a really decent season. Um, the Rhinos um, didn't. Um, so um, it was a really good start. And one of the tries of not just the season, but also one of the tries of um, of the decade uh, by Ash Handley, mm-hmm. um, fully almost the length of the pitch. But not only that, it was his it was his skill where he he paused and then and then sprinted again and then he did that another time. So the um, the Salford defence just didn't know what was where he was going or what he was going to do. And then just to to slide it in at the end, it was an absolutely fantastic try. Uh, by Ash Handley, and um, it's got the 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 praise that it deserves to have as well over social media over the past week or so. It's been it's been immense to see it again and again and again. Um, it's been an absolutely fantastic. But so good start. Um, obviously, um, as we record on Thursday, they are behind at half time at Hall KR. But then you look at Hall KR, and they they went and beat Hull. Uh, by 22 points to nil. They nilled their arch rivals away from home at Hull. So if if Hull KR don't get any confidence from that, then there's, they're just not worth playing the game. So they are clearly a very confident team who are aiming to go a bit further than they did last year. Um, other news in Super League, um, St. Helens won, uh, Wigan won, and um, as normal, uh, night follows day. Um, so, um, but yeah, Leeds won last week, so it's um, it's good. And uh, you'll know the full-time result when you listen to this. And I'm not going to embarrass myself by saying who's going to win this game. <laughs> That's probably very wise. <laughs> Thanks very much for that, guys. Well, uh, as ever, we will finish off with our moments of the week from uh, from each of our contributors. Alan, we'll start with you. OK, boyo, I'm going to the Welsh Open. Snooker and Flandern, no. Uh, the semi final. Oh, the Irish accent of yours, Alan. <laughs> are, you, are you challenging my DNA? <laughs> but anyway, um, Gary Wilson, 16th in the world. He was absolutely on a roll in the first uh, frame of the semi final. He got to 101. It was, a, it was a 147. It was in the bag. And Ian, you could have you could have got it, you could have got it from there, but he missed it. But he still won the first frame, hundred and one <laughs> to nil. So they had another go. It was called the second frame. <laughs> he, he only went and got a one four seven, having missed it in the first frame. He got it in the second frame against John Higgins, um, who's an excellent, a long time professional, and. Uh, Gary Wilson from England uh, went on to win the final against Martin O'Donnell, 9-4. What, if anybody was in hand would know, they had a cracking time. <laughs> I, well, I wasn't, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> am, I, am I not right in saying, Alan, that 
John Higgins had got a 147 earlier on in the competition. Um, you have the advantage of me on that. I, I, I wouldn't know. I did not. I don't know. I hadn't picked it up, but it, I'm not denying it. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was the 13th of his uh, 13th of his uh, career. He's two behind O'Sullivan, who's got 15. Jim, your moment of the week. Well, mine concerns the chairman of Oldham Athletic. Does anybody know who the chairman of Oldham Athletic is? This is a this is a, a bonus of ten if you know this one. But he's, he's not from Lancashire, is he? Uh, well, I don't know. His name is Frank Rothwell, um, and he's seventy three years old. Well, which is good age, I recommend it. Um, and the thing about this chap is he's just broken his own record to become the oldest person to row across the Atlantic. Um, and he did it. Uh, it was is 3,300 miles and he did it uh, unassisted from the Canary Islands to Antigua in 64 days, seven hours and 53 minutes. And he arrived on Thursday. This was like this was last last Thursday. Now, the thing was that he was planning to arrive on Valentine's Day, which was the Wednesday. So that he could have dinner with his wife, Judy. But he got delayed. And because he got delayed, the family began to worry about him because his vessel was spotted drifting off course. But eventually they, they managed to make contact with him and he fallen asleep. Um, so, so he, he missed, uh, he missed getting there when he wanted to because he'd fallen asleep. <laughs> but he, he, it's the second time that he's, uh, he's done this crossing and he does it to raise money for Alzheimer's. And he's, uh, this, this trip, he's, raised 270,000, but that's in addition to the 1.1 million he raised when he did his record row back in 2021 when he was 70. So all credit to Frank Frank Rothwell. What a man. Well done. So, and Ian? Um, I'll go for something obvious. Um, I'm not. Um, so Ben Duckett's um, um, century and a half um in vain, obviously, but it was still an absolutely fantastic knock um, from a really, really good player in Ben Duckett. So, um, uh, tip of my hat to uh, to him. Yeah, indeed so. Indeed so. Well, I, I think I would have probably gone for that one as well, actually, as my moment of the week. But uh, another one I, I was pleased to say, actually, it's only a sort of minor moment in a game, if you like, was uh, was when Jorginho Rutter scored uh, the second for, for Leeds United at Plymouth Argyle because he, he does such a lot of work. Uh, and, and such a lot of striving for others and setting things up for others, but he's not the greatest at, uh, at putting it in the net himself. And it was great to see him stick that one away to, to clinch uh, what was a, a hard fought win down at uh, Home Park for Leeds United last Saturday. And, uh, well, I'm going to say I'm, I'm certainly hoping they'll be able to repeat that against Leicester, but I better not say that because Jim might <laughs> criticise me. <laughs> Anyhow, partiality. Well, we're not supposed to be impartial, Jim. We are Leeds Hospital Radio Sports, so we, we can be partial. Yeah, you can be. You might be wrong, but you can, you can be partial. <laughs> well, before this gets totally out of order, I'll wrap it up for now. My thanks go to Jim and to Alan and, of course, to Ian. Most of all, to you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the programme and that you'll join us again in the future, hopefully online rather than in hospital. But, of course, if you are listening in hospital, don't forget, stay tuned.
because straight after we've finished, you'll be able to hear full match commentary on Leeds United versus Leicester City from Ellen Road with Andy, Jim and Steve. But for now, from me, Tony Chalk and the rest of the team, get well soon, take care and enjoy your sport. Goodbye now. <laughs>